0: Great to be here with you on this Wednesday. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us, and we are loaded up here on the show. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll hear from Buck Ballou, formerly the last quarterback to win a national championship for the University of Georgia. Now he's a party of two, Buck Ballou and Stetson Bennett. We'll talk to uh, uh, Buck coming up here in just a little bit on the show. Also, we'll break down... uh, Ben will break down Brock Bowers and his performance over the course of the season. Also, Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, will join us. We'll talk about the significance of breaking that 41-year drought for the University of Georgia. And John Lastinger, former Georgia quarterback, 82 SEC championship winner and the 84 Cotton Bowl winner. He will join us here on the program. So we're talking with a bunch of uh, former Georgia quarterbacks and Tony Barnhart today here on the show so plenty to get to over the course of uh the next three hours on the show your phone calls always welcome 912-342-7184 912-342-7184 obviously georgia hey you woke up today you're still national champ just want to throw that out there Is that how that works yeah well, i've seen a lot of people go i can't i still can't believe it well b- believe it it happened uh so we'll take more of your phone calls you can hit us up on twitter at pigskin radio at pigskin radio we're also streaming live on facebook Twitter and YouTube, so you can join us that way as well. But you talk about capping off the season fourteen and one. Uh, Ben and BJ, thirteen wins on the year of fifteen or more points on the season. How dominant? Do you think this football team was? And obviously, when you take a step back, the longer you get away from that game, you get a little more perspective on it. But just how dominant was this football team, obviously in 2021?
1: I think I think much more dominant than people initially realize, right? When you think about when you think about Georgia, uh, I don't know that there's the same sense of all, if that's the right word, that maybe you have had with some of the Alabama champions or uh, LSU, of course, a couple of years ago, scoring seemingly 50 points every week. But when you go look in those numbers, and I think that, that uh, stat was, was put out by ESPN College Football on Twitter, when you go look at what Georgia did, let me throw out some scores for you. Georgia played Arkansas when the Razorbacks were number 8 in the country. That was a top-10 matchup. You won 37-0. to zero. You shut out the number eight team in the country. You played Kentucky when Kentucky was undefeated and was ranked number eleven in the country. You beat the Wildcats thirty to thirteen. You played Auburn on the road. Haven't always been great there. Played Auburn on the road when they were number eighteen in the country. You won thirty-four to ten. You played Tennessee Ben when Tennessee was seemingly hey, Tennessee's back. Uh, you played them in Neyland Stadium. You won 41-17. to Even going back to the beginning of the year, I know that game was tight and close, but you held Clemson fresh off six straight trips to the college football playoff to three points. That's it. And I, I know a lot of people have criticized Georgia's schedule. I think that's even overblown. I do, because for as much as people go Clemson's not Clemson, they finish with 10 wins. Arkansas probably wasn't the top ten team. They finished with nine wins out of the SEC West. Kentucky finished with ten wins, and then look at what you did in the playoffs. You beat Michigan thirty-four to eleven in a game that was nowhere near that close. If if stylistically, Ben Georgia wanted to score a couple of more touchdowns, they could have. Michigan got a quite frankly a meaningless touchdown and two point conversion at the end of the game when Georgia was kind of in prevent let the clock roll mode, and then I know the Keeley-Ringo interception kind of changed the dynamic of the score, but at the end of the day, you beat Alabama by 15. Even before that interception, you were beating Alabama by eight. So this is one of the dominant teams that we've seen in the last 15, 20 years of college football. 14 wins. The only team you lost to, you then beat by two scores in the title. And I, I, I don't think Ben, we fully appreciate that win over Arkansas, that win over Kentucky, uh, some of the performances we saw during the regular season.
2: I don't because BJ, I think the word dominant is something. The, I mean, Kevin, is the word dominant becoming like the new word beast? They weren't dominant. They were suffocating. This defense suffocated you. You didn't do anything. And it's like this. BJ, you make a good point. Arkansas was a really, really good team. They didn't look the part when they was against Georgia. Kentucky ended up being a good team. Didn't look the part when they played Georgia and against Auburn. And you know, and I and I just think that when you think about a team as 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 dominant as Georgia's uh, defense was, the team was, don't get mad that the offense was going out there playing complementary offense to a defense that took everything from you. It is hard to beat a team twice, but the manner in which you beat them has to say something. And the first time, Georgia's defense, they just didn't show up. Second time, total different story. And isn't it fitting they won the first game the same way they ended the very last game of the season with, a, with an interception for a touchdown. So, yes, it's, dominance is one thing. And and they're doing it in an unconventional. In today's world of college football, how many points can your offense score in a prolific way to help you win championship? That's what it's been as of late. Georgia said, "Dude, we gonna do it the old fashioned way. What you mean? We are gonna win with defense, and we're gonna play complementary offense. And BJ and Kevin, it was dominant. I mean, at first, listen, I agree with both. I agree with both. I do agree with Kevin. With sometimes somebody got to be ranked number nine, somebody got to be ranked in the top ten. But just because you're ranking the top ten, if you're going up against the Georgia team, you ain't gonna look like you was number eight or number nine. But the end of the season, BJ did validate it. But I can't judge. I'm not gonna judge the fact that Georgia ran through the entire schedule." And say they ain't have a good they ain't have a good uh, schedule no nope. they just beat the brakes off of everybody on their schedule nobody said if that's Alabama nobody says a word if that's Ohio State nobody says a word if that's Clemson nobody says a word that's the thing that is even more impressive regardless of the fact that how the season ended it was not close in the regular season they're running away with these games now we our job is to, is, is to create storylines and boy we created them now coming out of that game must to do about nothing. The game was over when they kicked the ball off. So, yes, this Georgia team was suffocating because they, they – look, they, they, uh, they choked the life out of teams. By the time you get to the third quarter, the games are usually over. And this is what's really impressive. Their backups understood. No, 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 no. When the starters went out, there wasn't – they had to score. They're not going to score on us. Think about that. The second string, like, dude, y'all not finna score on us. Why? Because we're getting ready to be starters. So we don't want to let the starters say, hey, dude, we're going to have to play longer because y'all guys coming in, making it look like a ball game. Nope. Because those starters aren't ending the game. The backups are. So, yes, this was a suffocating uh, defense, a dominant team overall. But I'm just saying, you know how hard it is to keep, I don't know, what, uh, 13, what, uh, thir- what 12, 12 teams? You know what, under 100 points? Are you serious? I I just think that that, that's something that we may never, ever see again. And like I said, Georgia won their way. Suffocating defense, complimentary offense. But that defense, man, Kevin, BJ, you're going to have to find, you're going to have to dig deep because the offense are built to score now with the rules, with how they run offenses, and they said, nope, we're going to take everything from you. And I'm sorry, I hate, I hate, to, I hate to jump all over the Vanderbilt boys, but when we saw the game, I like, is that like, is that serious? Like, yeah, dude, they they literally gave them anything? And my Gators, I'm sorry, we we didn't make ourselves look good against some dogs either. <laughs> so, again, BJ, you're talking
0: about the the level of domination uh, in college football for this uh, this Georgia team, and that's what it takes to win a national championship. You look at what Alabama's done, dominating when Clemson was doing it. They dominated virtually everybody. I, I think you see. Uh, you go back, even in the mid-90s, uh, a lot of times, uh, B.J. and Ben, you'd go back and say, well, Tennessee won the national championship or Michigan or whoever, and you'd say, Oh, well, they had two or three pretty close games in there, and they kind of were able to pull it out and get the job done. Last handful of years, the teams that win it all have been crushing everybody. There haven't been a whole lot of close games. Maybe the national championship, maybe uh, a playoff game, but for the most part in the regular season, they have one maybe relatively close game and everything else is just dominating. Uh, the, the Clemson teams, the, the Alabamas, now Georgia this year. It's, it's just kind of become that pattern of in the playoffs, uh, if you're going to get there with the way the balance of power is swinging, it's like you're crushing everybody weeks one through 12, and uh, that's what gets you there into that, that position to win the national championship.
1: Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think Georgia this season has been right there with Alabama and LSU and, and Ohio State, the teams of the past, uh, that we've seen seemingly win with, with ease for much of the year. I think Georgia has as well. Uh, in terms of their approach and sort of their style, I don't know that we've seen Georgia always go after that 50-point margin. I, I You know, it seems like watching Georgia for portions of this season – the game, the score might be 30-13. I go back to the Kentucky game, for example. But that game was never one that was in doubt. That game was never one. It might have well have been 50-13. to uh, uh, And, and I, think, I think that's where maybe we're not fully giving Georgia the credit this team deserves for dominating. I mean, I, I, I can look at just about every game on the schedule and say late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, there was no doubt at all. Not well. If a play here happens, and then there's a turnover, or then there's a score. No, nope, ball game. Like there is no chance that this team is coming back. Georgia defensively just dominating. Georgia offensively in complete control, doing whatever the offense wanted to do. And I go back to that. I go back to that orange ball. I told you guys, I did not think that game was going to be close. Just did not think that was a good matchup for Michigan and a very favorable matchup for Georgia. First drive of the of the game. What happened? Georgia gets the ball, Stetson to Brock Bowers, down the field, touchdown, and I think in the first five minutes of that game, Stetson did not have an incompletion on the opening drive. You looked around and went, this is a game that if Georgia wanted to, they could probably win 45-3, to probably win 50-3, to but Georgia very comfortable in that 31 to 10, 34 to 6, whatever type range. and Michigan got the late touchdown. But I think for the vast majority of this season, clearly not the SEC championship game in Atlanta, and clearly not most of the national championship game. But for 90, 85 percent of this season, Georgia was absolutely overwhelming their opponents. I think more so than even the final scoreboard. Maybe outside of that Vanderbilt game you referenced, Ben uh, indicated.
2: You know, Georgia. You know, Georgia played dominant when they lo- they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, when everybody was saying, "Well, Georgia didn't play their best." As if, like, 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 think about that. Now, Alabama won the game. I'm taking nothing away from. But somebody said, "If Georgia plays their best, they win that game." It's no coincidence that when, when when Stetson Bennett doesn't throw interceptions to Alabama, they beat them. And I think that the, the thing that dominant teams do, they take your wheel, play in and play out. They leave no doubt. There's a there's a clip in the uh, in the Orange Bowl uh, when George Pickens, you know, George Pickens, you know, he's he's on obviously he's out there uh, lining up, and he's talking to the Michigan sideline. They're talking trash to him, right? So listen, to this. they're talking trash to him. He looks over. He comes off the ball and he pancakes the DB, and looks back at the side like, like, like this is what y'all are dealing with. These are grown. Listen, you didn't listen. I'm a grown man, but when you go up against a grown man that 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 that's that, that's, that's either trying to dominate you, that's what George did. They the same thing, the same way Kirby is. Kirby wants to take everything from you. He gonna shake your hand after, but he gonna beat the hell out you during the game. That's what that's what they did, and that's the worst. That's one of the most defeated things about football is knowing what they're going to do, knowing how they're going to do it. Georgia doesn't play cute football. They don't run a cute little play. No, no. Level on the level, let's do it. And I go, dude, we can't do anything with nothing. You can't do nothing with them. So, hey, Georgia, for one year, and that's how it should be. We said it's in 2019, said it's in 2020. But when you look at the way Georgia did it on defense, nobody wants to deal with that because everybody's they ain't that good. Yeah, well, regular season, if the only team beat them is Alabama, that should tell you how good Georgia was in 2021.
0: Absolutely good enough to uh, win the national championship. At the end of the day, when we come back, Buck Baloo, he's going to join us. And we'll talk about adding another championship trophy to the trophy case, and he's got a little company in that quarterback room of signal callers who've won the national championship there at Georgia. We'll ask him about that and Stetson Bennett's performance as well. This is Three and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Have you back here, Three and Out on this Wednesday, Georgia national champions of college football, and uh, the party still continuing uh, there for Bulldog, Ma- Bull- Bulldog Nation. Probably going to be going for quite some time. And uh, joining us here on the program. He won the national championship in 1980 there at quarterback of the dogs, Buck uh joins us here on 3 and Out. Buck, welcome. How are you?
3: Man, we are doing well. We are just so thrilled to see this team win the national title. And this fan base can now relax because, look, man, they've been catching all the static from Florida fans, Tennessee fans, Auburn fans, Alabama fans, uh, uh, Clemson fans. They don't have to put up with that anymore, man. I'm so happy for the Bulldog Nation They won't have to hear any more about how they hadn't won a title since 1980.
0: I was going to say, Buck, you've been in a very exclusive club, Uh, the starting quarterback to win a national championship. And as you said, it's just been you hanging out in there. Now you got yourself a little company uh, with Stetson Bennett. What can you say about that young man in the uh, the face of adversity, not only from other people, but a lot of times some of the own fan base who thought "Eh, there might be a better option out there?
3: Well, he was, i tell you, in the playoffs, Stetson played at such a high level, and it was, it was so great to see. Uh, I thought he played his best game against Michigan in the Orange Bowl, and then he backed it up with another tremendous performance against Alabama on Monday night. Just really happy for him, the way he stepped up. And, and look, man, hosting a radio show here in Atlanta five days, five, six days a week during the college football season. I felt like all along, just my independent poll, there were about 70, 80 percent of the Bulldog Nation that were totally behind Stetson Bennett. So it's a lot like, you know, sports talk radio. Uh, You can't please all the people any of the time as a quarterback. So I thought he dealt with that, uh, you know, uh, really awesome. As a matter of fact, he is he's got a lot to be proud of.
1: Uh, Buck, the resiliency of Stetson Bennett at the end of that game. You had the controversial review, the fumble, Alabama takes the lead. And then from that point, uh, Bennett is 5-of-5 for 83 yards with two touchdowns. Talk about that finish to the game and just having that confidence to bounce back and lead Georgia to a a victory late.
3: Well, he's just so mentally tough. You know, the perseverance he's gone through to get where he's at. You know, it just didn't seem to be any – any problem at all uh you know i just really i thought his best throw was the touchdown pass to add mitchell late in the game just dropped a dime on that touchdown pass and you know I, I don't think that was a fumble either i'm sorry just after looking at the replay man i i see his arm moving forward when that ball came out of there so yeah i'm just going to say stetson played that game without turning the ball over which was huge uh in the game georgia winning in the turnover battle
2: and, and uh bug when you think about who he, who he did it against? I mean obviously uh Alabama's been a thorn in Georgia's side on you know, their side as of late then you know going back to when you guys wanted it uh, against Notre Dame, what is it about winning against a team like Alabama who is the premier school in college football right now?
3: Man, I tell you in 1980 we were able to take down Notre Dame which, you know, it's a blue-blood program, and, you know, we couldn't have picked out a better opponent to be able to do something special like that. And to beat Alabama right now, we're seeing the Crimson Tide under Nick Saban. This is the greatest run of success in college football history. So for Georgia to get that second opportunity and then cash in, win the national title, that's got to be a great feeling, and that's something they're going to hold close to them for decades to come, being able to get over that Alabama hump and take down uh, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide.
0: Buck Ballou joining us here on uh, Three and Out. And, and, and Buck, you talk about everybody obviously can appreciate what it means uh, for the University of Georgia to finally break through, but what does it mean to be a national champion uh, quarterback, head coach at Georgia, and carry that around with you in this state? Because up until Monday night, it was you and Vince Dooley that kind of had those distinctions, a head coach, a quarterback, to bring it home. What does that mean now for Stetson and Kirby Smart to kind of be able to go around this state as, I'm the head coach, I'm the quarterback that won the, the, the national championship at the University of Georgia?
3: Well, they're going to be loved for uh, years to come. As I mentioned off the top, this Bulldog Nation is passionate, a college football fan base as they're in, is in the country, and look, they're, they're going to get loved on uh, for years to come, Stetson does experience tells me he's going to play some free golf. Uh, it seems like all these superintendents and golf pros somehow have a connection to Georgia. So I, I hope we can tee it up a little bit. But uh, you know they'll they'll always be remembered uh, for breaking the the drought the streak. And and let's be honest here, Georgia should have won multiple national titles since that 1980 game. Gosh, just recently, I think about 2012, Aaron Murray. And the dogs had Alabama on the ropes there late in the game, and that one slipped away. And then Jake Fromm in 2017, they're in overtime in the natty, uh, got Alabama down, and uh, Tua hits the big pass to win the game for Alabama. I mean, this drought should have never taken place.
1: Buck, I know you guys had an iconic defense in 1980. Uh, This defense doing some things statistically that – we haven't seen in a generation. Talk about watching and covering this defense all season, and how good they were on Monday night.
3: I was talking today about this might be the best defensive line in Georgia football history, and we look at 1980 at our team, and I, I totally, i I believe totally that you're not going to win a national championship unless you're winning on the line of scrimmage, and our defensive line, Jimmy Payne, was an All American. Player. He was uh, sort of reminds me of Trayvon Walker. Uh, we had Eddie cleaver Weaver in the middle at nose tackle, and he was taking on double teams and wreaking havoc. And Jordan Davis sort of filled that role on this team. Uh, we had some others, too uh, Tim Crow, Joe Cremans, Tim Parks. I mean, we were rushing quality guys on the D line in and out of the game. And, and that's what we've seen out of Georgia here, too. And really anxious to see the defensive line, I think, will be one of the key spots here moving forward. Uh, next season, Jalen Carter has just uh, had an outstanding run so far as uh, an underclassman, and, and I think he'll be a guy that'll be leading the way starting next season. Big number eighty-eight in there as a force.
2: And Buck, I know Kevin asked you about you know uh, before Monday night, you know yourself and Vince Dooley, or with a head coach and uh, you know quarterback to say they won the national championship. What is that conversation? Going to be like, Buck, with you and Stessa Bennett, a guy who not just did it his way, represented way more than just himself, that everybody's going to have that, oh, he can't get it done because of this, because of that. What is going to be that conversation with you and him if y'all do get a chance to have that sit down?
3: Well, you know, I spoke with him early December, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I was one of those doubters too. I, I, you know, I I prefer an offense that's going to throw that football around. That's just my. Uh, my personal uh choice and so I'm wondering why isn't J T Daniels in there uh is the starter who totally unlocked that passing game last season and so I look I was the one that was doubting on on uh, the decision and what was going on. But let me tell you during during the uh late in the season Stetson Bennett he just won me over uh with his play and, and look I was I was hoping he would do well all along, but uh yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say uh, I had some doubts earlier in the season about, you know, not getting JT Daniels in there.
0: Buck Belue joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Buck, as you said, the, the team to finally break that streak and get over the hump, what does this mean for Georgia moving forward? Because a lot of times you see something like that, it's like the, the, the hardest part to do is finally break through. Georgia is one of the, what, top one or two, three uh, teams in the country recruiting every single year. I think three teams, all of them in the SEC, but three teams – Got like 30 or 40% of the ESPN top 100 recruits all went to those same three schools. I mean, Georgia set up to continue to be a player on that, uh, that Monday night showcase game uh, for a while. Is this breakthrough moment maybe the start of, I don't want to say an Alabama type run because that's we've never seen anything like that, but is this a, a start or something where it could become a regular thing to see Georgia in the mix there on that Monday night playing for it all?
3: Yeah, I I would expect, look, and I I bet a lot of the competition out there is expecting to see Georgia to to hang around here knocking on the door like they have been uh, since 2017. So I don't know, they're not going anywhere. And and look, Kirby, uh, being a Georgia man, born and bred, uh, so to speak, uh, he's he's not going to parlay this into another big job, uh, you know, try to jump to the National Football League. So I I just think he's going to be around for a while and as you mentioned, with the stockpile of talent they've accumulated, you know, they should be back knocking on the door uh, next season. I mean, look at the offensive line. They're going to they're lose Sawyer, who to me his stock has skyrocketed after beating up on Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan and then being able to handle Will Anderson. And the SEC uh, title game did a good job, and then it's a national championship game. Uh, They they got Broderick Jones, who we saw come in late in the game against Alabama and play some left offensive tackle. Uh, Amarius Mims is another one that looks like he's a plug-and-play guy. So, you know, the offensive line looks like it's going to be really, really solid. Uh, They got those linebackers lined up deep. I'm I'm sorry, the running backs lined up deep on offense. Uh, Receivers, they continue to bring in these receivers. Say The offense looks good, whether Stetson comes back or – Uh, regardless of who transfers, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that quarterback room is going to change, Uh, you know, defensively, a little concerned about the D line. And and certainly the linebacker spot to me is is one of the key areas where they've got to address trying to replace uh, N'Kobe Dean. I'm guessing he's a first round pick and he's probably going to exit early. Uh, Quay Walker is a big time player. Uh, 41, Tanning Tindall was tremendous this season. So I'm a little concerned about the linebacker spot next season. But again, a lot of talent. You got the transfer portal. You got these young guys that had a year to uh, get coached up. Uh, I think they're just going to be fine coming into next season. Can't wait to see that Oregon game to get the year started as we take on Dan Lanning and the Ducks. I was going to say, we've seen it uh, uh,
0: with Nick Saban just replacing guys there at uh, the coordinator. How does the, anything change with Dan Lanning out? I mean, it's still Kirby Smart's defense at the end of the day, correct?
3: Yeah, and look, that that defensive staff, I mean, my goodness, man. Talk about uh, great staff. Uh, you got Kirby, Dan Lanning, uh, Glenn Schumann, who's done a really great job, Will Muschamp. Uh, I mean, my goodness, there's not a better defensive staff in the country. So they should be able to absorb that and uh, be able to to move on. But uh, Dan Lanning was special, guys. I mean, he, he was able to recruit and coach. And so they're going to miss him.
0: Buck Baloo, our guest here on 3 and Out. Buck, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, good being on with you. Appreciate it. Buck Ballou joining us here on 3 and Out Georgia, the national champions of college football. We've got so much more to get you here on this Wednesday. Love to hear from you. 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184. It's 3 and Out on the Southern. Good to have you back here on this Wednesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben will be giving away a copy of Ben's book. Uncommon and Unfinished coming up later in the show. So we'll be doing that on Wednesdays. We'll do it leading up to the Super Bowl, and uh, you'll have another opportunity to win today. So we're going to do it a little bit later in the show. So your chance to win coming up uh, a little bit farther down the line today in three and out. Also coming up uh, on Friday, I know we just got done. Uh, we've been talking about Georgia, uh, the In-market, Savannah Hockey Classic coming back uh, this week. Georgia going to be on hand there with Georgia Tech, Florida, and Florida State. And the final time at the Savannah Civic Center after this year, they'll move it over to the uh, new in-market arena uh, there. And last time to see it there at the Civic Center coming up on Friday and Saturday. We will be there 3 to 6 on Friday. Stop by and say hello. And uh, no, we will not be showcasing our pathetic
2: hockey skills I'm uh, about, about to ask that though. I mean, no, no, I I have I didn't get a chance to see that. Um, I wasn't working on the network then, or at least Kevin was like yes, I don't want him yet. Not now, BJ. Ask me that in two years. No, I wanna see Kevin and BJ on the I am not doing it. Thank <laughs> God they don't make they don't make they don't make a I don't think they make a big enough for my for my feet, which is good. But Kevin, BJ. This is going to be the last time, right? We got to go out with a bang? Kevin, BJ, on ice? Well, no, we can go at the in-market arena next year. But, I mean, uh,
0: right now is the last time at the Civic Center. I, I think BJ uh, illegally got on the ice once before. <laughs> no, he did. Put him out there. And was skating around, and uh, security said, Sir, what are you doing? That was Ryan Sewell's and, fault. Yeah, and then he came over there and uh, and... and it's always nice to blame it on somebody. Nobody twisted your arm and said you went and commandeered a pair of skates and got out there. That's my guy. Listen, he said it's cool. Let's go out there and you know Ryan's an athlete,
1: played at Georgia. He's like staring down the Georgia hey, Tech guys. What are, and, what are you? Not an athlete. Not an athlete. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely not an athlete. <laughs> uh, I tried, but when you put when you put the skates on and you go out there, it looks so easy and. The in market hockey classic is is awesome. Look forward to it every year. Really excited. And you mentioned moving to the new arena. Uh, but this is something that I look forward to because you have the same passion that you have on the football field from the fans. I
0: imagine it might be a little more rowdy this goes. Yes,
1: and have some more After you win a national championship. The trash tra- talking gonna be on display. Got the new shirts and sweaters, the you know, the championship ones, but you th- you think because of how fluid and athletic and smooth the guys are that it's easy to get out there on the skates. And I'm not even talking about playing hockey, like like with the puck. And I'm talking about standing up. And it is, for me, it was really difficult. Like, I'm, I'm not talking about moving. I'm saying standing up on the ice, the idea of skating or doing so fluidly, and then also having something in my hand, yeah. and then also watching a puck, and then also possibly getting knocked out like Ben did in the Kentucky game—like that is just. Whoa, whoa, I whoa, whoa! I got game
2: plans. Game no, no, plan. plan number two. Hold on. a sense though, right? And I and I know he's just doing his job. But when security says, "Hey, what you doing? Well, what, what does it look, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm on the ice with the skates. So what are you doing, huh?" Kevin Thomas told me I could come no, out.
0: No, no, I had nothing to do with that. Nothing whatsoever. Uh, to, to, I, I'm not there to tell who can and cannot go uh, down on the ice, but we will be there at the uh, Savannah Civic Center on Friday getting ready for the in-market hockey classic Georgia. Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, in town for two nights of uh, hockey action. It's always a lot of fun. If you've never been, I encourage you to go and come see us there on Friday from 3 to 6. Uh, BJ and I will be happy to see you. Ben will be happy for you to come up to him and say 2008, and uh, wow. keep going. I've heard that a lot,
2: man. I you know, that I'm, I'm, i I will say this though. I will say this. I mean, because I know it's coming. If you are a Georgia fan and you want to do this, don't <laughs> do it now. I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm gonna show you some love. But you know how it is, BJ. It's not about who won it recently. You start, you start talking about stuff. You know they haven't done. I'm gonna be so far away from football. I'm gonna be talking about lacrosse and everything. <laughs> Come over here. But but congratulations to Georgia fans, man. I'm. I'm supposed to get all the trash. And I will say to Georgia fans. Y'all a little bit nicer than I thought y'all would be. If Florida just won, y'all going to hate me. Y'all are some of the nicest winners. No one likes a gracious winner. Talk trash. I mean, dude, just this give it time. time <laughs> just give it time. right? <laughs> so,
0: I, so you heard it right here. Everybody, Friday, 3 to 6, uh, Savannah Civic Center. Come see us. Ben says, I'll, I welcome it all.
2: I, 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 I expect it. I, I expect it, but look. Y'all a little bit too nice for me, man. I'm I'm talking I'm talking cash money. <laughs> I'm gonna talk cash money regardless. But at least y'all y'all got the one up right now.
0: <laughs> we got more to come, come here. Three now. and out. Uh, we'll take three. Christian, you've done enough. we'll, we'll come. Trash? We'll come back. Hour two, three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back. Three and out. Hour two. We got plenty to get to. We will talk with. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, about Georgia's uh, epic night there on Monday. He will join us coming up in just a little bit. We'll also have our tight end. Great to tight in. We'll have Ben break down Brock Bowers and what's makes uh, him so special uh, there for the University of Georgia. So that coming up here uh, in this hour as well. But first, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, fellas. Our own Christian Gokel on Twitter put up the most iconic UGA pass one of three plays, you got to vote for one: the run, Lindsey run, Blue to Scott, the hobnail boot play, or Stetson Bennett to Ad Mitchell on Monday night in the national championship game. It's called second and eighteen. Is that like uh, what was the Auburn one with uh, David Green? That was fourth and fourth and twenty-six or something like I was fourth that. Fourth and a lot. All right. <laughs> so, which is it?
1: It's interesting because the word, we were talking about this this morning, Christian, I thought you made some good, good points about the, about the run Lindsay run play. To me, the, the biggest play when you think about the history of Georgia football is, is, is Stetson to A.D. Mitchell because everybody on the internet, I think everybody around the country probably thought Alabama had just won that game. And we, we, we feel that way because of what you had seen in recent editions of the rivalry. You have the controversial review, and I know Buck Blue, and I I agree with him earlier in the show saying not a fumble, but the refs rule it a fumble. Alabama takes the lead, and all of a sudden, everybody's looking around going, here we go again. And then after a play where you just lost yardage, seems like momentum is really in Alabama's favor. Stetson Bennett has a dream throw trailing to Alabama in the fourth quarter of the national championship game. Wonderful catch by Mitchell as well in the end zone, and that's, that's as big as it gets in the national championship game. That is, and maybe with more time, there'll be more kind of lore or context around the or around the play. But I think when you think about Run, Lindsey, Run, it was you had so much going on. You know, the, the, the play kind of has a name based off of a famous call. That was a play that will always be a defining play uh, in Georgia history, but that was the play that sparked a national championship that was the point of pride for 40 years. I mean, when you think about 1980, if you go up to 100 Georgia fans and go, you know, phrase association, 1980. Well, I I, I think you're going to get Run Lindsey Run before anything else. Probably before even Herschel Walker, before, before talking about, before, ta- yeah, my God, a freshman will be up there, but I think Run, Lindsey, Run is where you're going to go. And I don't think you're going to say, oh, we beat Notre Dame. It's going to be Run, Lindsey, Run. Ballou to Scott. It's going to be Ballou to Scott. So, because of the context and the historical uh, frame of reference, we've had this for 40-plus uh, years to talk about and think about. And the call from Larry Munson, I think iconic, I will go with Ballou to Scott. Uh, but I think the, the the biggest play in
2: Georgia history is Stetson Bennett to A.D. Mitchell. Blue to, Blue to Scott is gonna always be there, but I mean that was more, you know, what uh, Lindsey Scott making things happen with his feet and then just out running the defense. There's nothing that you can't, you can't, you can't control speed. Speed kill. But because of the situation, it is, it is Bennett to Mitchell. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, the degree of difficulty for that throw and catch was about as hard as you're gonna get. And the thing is, that's what Stetson Bennett was waiting on. Regardless, because the situation was so high, and it means everything. It's one thing that it's one thing to have a play that's spun, obviously, the rest of the season. It's another thing that this is the season. This is it. There is no coming back after this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Stetson Bennett, you know, our uh, two Mitchell. And that and there's and listen, if you answer Lindsay Scott and Blue, they but Listen, man, we we gladly defer to that guy, man, because I just think that Stetson Bennett put up a throw that most people cannot, will not make.
0: Uh, it's, it's it's Baluda Scott, and it's not even close, uh, quite frankly. No, it's not. Talk about it. it. It's not. Did, 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 uh, did, when Kirby Smart was interviewed post game, did he say, man, Stetson to A.D. Mitchell, he said, nope, there's going to be property destroyed. Where'd that come from? Baluda Scott. Baluda Scott, uh, also uh, the singular pass that helped keep Georgia's championship hopes alive that things were looking shady. Uh, it comes there. Look, I, I, if I saw there's going to be property destroyed tonight, once I saw it a thousand times on Monday night. That didn't come from Stetson throwing it to A.D. Mitchell. Came from one play. That's the most iconic play in Georgia history. It will always be that unless something just absolutely nuts happens and has the entire Georgia fan base. Unless the last play Monday night was Stetson Bennett launching it from his own 40 and Georgia won on that, then that would become it. But no, it's Pollutus Scott. Not even close in my estimation. All right, quickly, take three before we get to Tony Barnhart. This is take two. Better defensive front. Georgia in 2021, which is loaded with talent, or that 2018 Clemson team, which I think the two-deep uh, in that championship game, uh, all got drafted. Everybody was talking about that too deep on the front uh, front defensive line there for Clemson, all moved on to the NFL. Better defensive line, Georgia this year or that 2018 Clemson? And those are
1: the standards right there. I mean, right up there with uh, 2011 Alabama probably. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, I, I, that, there's going to be a wrong answer, whatever you say here. Ben, I've talked to you a number of times about when we went to the ACC championship game that year, and I'm down on the field, and I'm just going – Dexter Lawrence, and it's the same thing with Jordan Davis. You see Jordan Davis, and you know some of these guys. I think, I think the fact that when you go across the board, and, and we do have, and Kevin, you mentioned this in the show meeting, we do have maybe a little bit of, a, or Clemson does have a little bit of an edge, and that we'd be able to, we've been able to see these guys be drafted, go to the NFL, so it kind of adds more to the resume. I think I might lean Clemson because you're talking about that 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 starting group of Cleveland Farrell, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, uh, Austin Bryant. You had Ben Boulware, uh, uh Dexter Lawrence, a multi-time first-team All-American. I might feel differently in a couple of years when I have some more context to add to the resume, but right now, I will say Clemson.
2: Whew, man, I mean, it's going to be very, very hard to go up against that 2018 defense, beach day, but I I ain't never seen nothing like what we saw this year with Georgia, right? You ain't never seen nothing like it. I mean, you didn't give up 100 points the whole, the whole season. I think you gave up three rushing touchdowns. I think that I think that 2018 defense with Clemson gave it like 13.1, 13.1 points a game. Georgia was way lower than that. I mean, it, 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 that 2018, I kinda, but I still think it's a Georgia D. We ain't seen nothing like it. In modern football, you, you are keeping teams scoreless multiple times a year. It's got to be
0: 2021 Georgia. Yeah, man, that's tough. It's, it's brutal. It is tough. They're both very, very good and very, very deep and talented. I'm going to say I will go with this year's Georgia team, but it's very, very close. Take three, where does N'Kobe Dean rank among Georgia's all-time great linebackers? I know, BJ, always accuse you of recency bias in a lot of your takes, but where do you think he ranks even as we move away from Monday night? Well, he's one of two Buckus
1: Award winners in the history of the program, uh, Roquan Smith and N'Kobe Dean, the only Georgia linebackers to ever win the Buckus Award. Uh, it was awesome, what, last week getting to talk to Rennie Curran and, as an All-American, hear him talk about what makes Nakobe Dean special. Uh, look, same thing as last question. You could go either way, maybe depending upon the day, the answer. I, I, I think I would, if I had to pick one, I think I would lean Nakobe Dean over Roquan Smith, just in terms of those two buckets award winners, who had the better season? Uh, I, I think maybe just a, a, a tad more ability to rush the passer, perhaps. And uh, but I think Dean, and he's not going to have the great stats because of the way George's defense worked this year. But I think he is. I think he's right up there. I mean, when you think about guys that come to mind, I mean, you're thinking about and, and George's running back you, but not far from being linebacker you when you think about. You know, and and I'm not Ben. I, For me, I look at inside linebackers a little bit different than kind of edge rushers like Jarvis Jones asked to do some different things. But even go back to Boss Bailey and Odell Thurman and Kendrell Bell. I mean, just all these iconic Georgia linebackers. I
2: think, uh, Dean, it's as as, as good as it gets. Oh man, I, I, th- I definitely think he's top ten, I'm top top. But what, what six or seven? I would say top six or seven. It's a reason to bias thing. I do not think he's better than Roquan Smith. I do not think he's better than Randy Curran. I do not think he's better than Kendrell Bell. I do not think he's better than Odell Thurman. These guys were lights out. Boss Bailey, super duper super athletic. Boss Bailey had six sacks and 114 tackle lead team top of tackles. That's what that's what uh you know that's what uh, that's what uh Nicobe Dean is dealing with. But the top six or seven, yes. But top five, yeah. Georgia had has some dogs. No no pun intended. They had some boys that went out there and get it got it done. The pun of the
0: show for uh for uh, for Bid for Troop there. I I still like for I guess just personal preference, I guess I would still go Roquan uh Smith. Uh but Odell, you think? I mean he's up there. I Odell was a good player. Really, really good player. Uh there for, for University. Of Odell Georgia. was nice. I'm. I'm going to say he's probably top four. I'll say maybe top three. I'll put him up there, top three all time at uh, at Georgia. We'll come back. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, will join us when we return, right here on Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Georgia Bulldogs. Ended 41 years of frustration on Monday night, the kings of uh, college football, so who better to talk about college football with than our next guest? He's Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, uh, joins us here, SEC Network and more. Tony, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: I'm doing all right, guys. Uh, (laughs) I just got home last night. I was on a plane with a lot of very tired but very happy Bulldogs. It was a a special day.
0: And, and Tony, I know uh, as a guy who I believe went to Georgia, have been uh, covering sports uh, in the state of Georgia, both on the local and national level. Is there any way to overstate, I guess, what that means to a large majority of people in the state of Georgia, what happened on Monday night?
4: No, you, you can't overstate it. Uh, I mean, I've, I've lived all but about eight years of my life in the state of Georgia. I grew up here. I went to school here. Uh, and I, I was making some phone calls at the end of the game. I called my wife, and she's crying. She's talking to my daughter, who's got a two degrees from Georgia, and she's crying. It's just 41 time, And one of my fraternity brothers I watched the game with at the, uh, at the stadium, he was crying. He said, you know, 41 years is a long time to wait. So no, you can't overstate what this means to the Georgia people.
1: Tony, you're a great storyteller. Uh, have we seen much like Stetson Bennett and and what type of story is this going to be throughout the ages of college football?
4: If you gave the script of Stetson Bennett's story to a Hollywood producer, he'd laugh you out of the room. Said you, you, you no, that's that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can fantasize about it. It doesn't happen in real life. You don't walk on at a place like Georgia and then eventually lead the team to the national championship. I mean, that's Rudy kind of stuff. Okay. But, uh, it's an, it's an incredible story. And what's so amazing is that as the story is winding down, it looks like it's going to have an unhappy end, uh, with, with that turnover. He dropped a ball early today, but to his credit, he said after the game, I was not going to be the reason we lost this game. And he made just some major league throws down the stretch. And it is a story people love stories of perseverance and redemption. And that's what Steps indebted is. He he overcame a lot and he persevered.
2: And Tony, you talk about uh, talking with your wife that was crying, Are you talking, you know, uh, with your with your daughter. But you were in the stands, right? You were in the stands with your frat brothers, I believe. What was that like just saying, listen, I want, obviously, you want this thing to end the way it ended, but to know you were sharing it with guys that you came up in college with had to mean that much more to you?
4: Well, it was, it, I, I, th- this is only the second time in 35 years I've watched the game from the stands. But this group of guys goes with me to the Georgia Florida game every year down in Jacksonville. I think. I've missed some games down there, but they—they, a couple of the guys have been for 40 consecutive years. We're old guys, and I promised them that if Georgia made it to the national championship game, that I would we would go, and I would sit with them in the stands. And um, you know, I'm not I'm not used to being in that atmosphere, and uh, and and I have to watch games, and so I'm sort of watching the game. And they got nervous, and they got excited, and their nervousness and their excitement wore off on me, and so at the end of the year at the end of the night it was just a incredible feeling and I wrote a column on it and put it on Facebook and so it was it was really cool
0: Tony Barnhart joining us here on three and out and and Tony we talked about Stetson's story what about Kirby Smart it's often in in sports you say you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy and Mark Rick Ten wins a year there at Georgia. Obviously, the 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 knock was, couldn't get to that big one, but won SEC championships, had teams in positions to play. Maybe the math got him in the BCS uh, once or twice, uh, potentially out there. But a beloved figure at the University of Georgia, he steps in. Obviously, not taking over a program that's you know just gone six and six or is down in the doldrums, but a program that wanted to go from ten and eleven wins to the whole enchilada and a place he played at. So you're the the, the alumni, the beloved former player coming in to try to crest the hill, take that next step, and to do it, and do it relatively quickly for a first-time head coach has to be a remarkable story in and of itself.
4: Well, think about this. Kirby Smart has been the head. First of all, he's only 46 years old. He's been the head coach at Georgia for six years. In six years, he's won 66 games. He's been to the SEC Championship game four times. He's been in the national championship twice and won one of them. That's not bad for six years. And, listen, Kirby Smart, uh, I have the greatest amount of respect and and affection for for Coach Mark Rick. He did a tremendous job at Georgia. Kirby Smart comes in, and Kirby Smart wants to know, okay, Georgia, I understand what you want. Are you ready to go big? And they assured him that that they were, and they made the commitments in terms of facilities and, and what he needed. And it has been a remarkable six-year run. And the great thing about all of this is that Kirby Smart will never again have to say, Coach, you've done all this great stuff, but you haven't won a national championship. That conversation ends in just his sixth year at the University of Georgia.
1: So, Tony, you're talking about a coach that obviously played uh, for the program he's leading. Uh, doesn't look like he would take another job, you know, certainly uh, still in his late 40s. How sustainable is this? Could Georgia emerge alongside? And maybe even if you kind of glance down the line, potentially overtake Alabama big picture is the top program in college football?
4: Well, it's totally sustainable because all the elements are there. First of all, there's not a recruiting base in America that's better than the state of Georgia. Everybody recruits here. The com- financial commitment to the program is strong and will be even stronger uh, after this. Uh, and you, you, you know, the, qu- the question is you've got to be willing. I heard Rick Neuheisel say this many years ago, and he's right. When you're in a position like Georgia or Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, you've got to be willing to finance your expectations, and Georgia's going to do that. And as long as Georgia is recruiting at this level, which is the Alabama level or the Georgia level, uh, they they will be fine. And this program is totally sustainable because all the elements are in place.
2: And Tony, when you think when you think about like what Georgia is doing, you know you got the Georgia way of doing things. But then you we talk about Kirby Smart and what he's done in six years. You look at who he's hired. You look at what Mel Tucker did. Michigan State, you look at the fact that Dan Landing stayed to coach the team before he goes out to Oregon. You see what Sam Pittman is doing in Arkansas. It seems to be not only is what he's doing, working guys are able to take what they've learned from him and go to other places and have instant success as well.
4: Well, when you're at a place like Georgia and you spent, like Kirby Smart, you spent 11 years with Nick Saban, you know what the program is supposed to look like and you know what the kind of coaches are that that you need. And listen – there are a lot of really really good coaches out there who would love to get a shot at coaching at a place like Georgia uh, where you've got everything you need to be successful so that you know that's not that's not going to be an issue Georgia will always be able to get uh, and and get successful assistant coaches because Kirby Kirby Smart has the resources
0: Tony Barnhart joining us here on 3 and out and Tony obviously the SEC wins Uh, Yet another one. I know folks in the other uh, P5 conferences probably get tired of seeing it, but uh, Alabama's not going anywhere. Georgia's not. Texas A&M just had the number one recruiting class. I think those three schools just had something like 40% of the ESPN Top 100 went to those three schools. And you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, this run of dominance doesn't seem like it's going (laughs) to slow down uh, anytime soon uh, for the SEC.
4: No, and and the other conferences had better get used to it, and it's yet another reason why we need to go ahead and expand the playoff. Okay, there there needs to be more teams and more programs involved, Uh, and hopefully, sometime in this year, the the other conference commissioners will come to their senses and realize this is that. Yeah, will the SEC thrive under a twelve-team playoff? Yep, they pretty much will, but a lot of other teams are going to have access as, as well. Uh, You know, the 14 things have been working out pretty good for the SEC. There's no really no pressure, but if you want to do what's best for college football and make it a more inclusive sport, you'll go to a 12-team playoff.
1: Finally, to that end, I mean, what's what's the, what's what's the preventing us from getting to that point? I know you had right there before the national championship game kind of a lack of a consensus as to what's on the horizon, but what's standing in the way of playoff expansion, and do you ultimately think inevitably we will widen this thing?
4: Well, what's standing in the way of expansion is the commissioner of the Big Ten, the commissioner of the Pac-12, the commissioner of the ACC. Uh, they formed what is uh, – Somehow, call the alliance where they wanted to do things slowly, and and basically, they they, didn't, they felt like the SEC was going to take over the world, uh, and that is a and you know, I th- it's going to happen. Well, first of all, it's going to happen. The only question, the only variable is time. Uh, those of us who follow the game, who, who who love the game, would like to see it done as soon as possible. But there are financial implications in all this, and so it, it's going to get done. But we may have to get to the end of this current contract, uh, which is the 2025 season, before we can get a new deal. But yeah, we we could we could do it tomorrow if the commissioners of those three conferences conferences would just come to their sense.
0: Tony quickly I know we got about a a minute left the health of the game I just want to follow up on what you said there obviously SEC fans like fine we'll win all of them that's what we're the best Uh, but for the greater good of the game I know that's hard to see in the scope of college football sometimes with fans but where is college football in terms of interest in the greater good I know there's a lot of fans say hey we're trying to win a conference championship but when it comes past that if the SEC's got some good teams we may not have a shot Where do you think the health of the game is right now? Even with one conference having all all the dominance in the world there on the big stage.
4: Well, I think the game is going to be fine as long as we we're we're more inclusive. That to me, that is the that is the challenge. Uh, You need you know it gives the teams in the SEC, particularly Alabama and Georgia a tremendous recruiting advantage. That, you mentioned that, that 40% of the players will go into these two schools. Why? Because they know they've got a reasonable shot at going to the playoffs, and they can use that in recruiting. If you had 12 teams going to the playoffs, there would be more schools that could go into living rooms and say, okay, we have as good a chance as any of these schools in the Power Five of going to the, the, uh, the playoffs. And once more teams get into the playoffs, it will it will spread the recruits From many uh, to more people instead of being concentrated in four or five schools. That's got to be more healthy for the game.
0: Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, our guest here on Three and Out. Tony, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Okay, guys. Tony Barnhart, always enjoy talking football with him, Mr. College Football. You can see him on SEC Network and a long time covering uh, the sport of college football. And certainly he knows uh, well the history that was made there on uh, on Monday night as uh, Georgia, and as we talked about there at the end, the SEC continuing uh, their their reign of dominance over over college football. And it was cool to hear his perspective on you know Stetson Bennett saying, hey,
1: you go into a movie director's yeah. office and say, check out this script. Yeah, it's no. too cheap.
0: I mean, it, it really is. Too cheesy, too sappy if you just put it on paper of how it played out, but it happened in, in
1: real life. Yeah, the best stories are real life. And, and you know, you saw that with Stetson Bennett and, uh, you know, countless guys on, on, on this Georgia roster who have helped uh, the Bulldogs achieve, achieve history. Uh, uh, impact lives with what this game has meant to people in terms of winning a championship and changing the talking points. And, uh, you know, like 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 Tony said, never again will Kirby Smart or, uh, you know, any of these players ever say, well, 1980. Well, you guys have been great. You know, you won the Rose Bowl, but. You won the SEC championship, but. No, you have the national title. And, uh, Ben, it was, uh, just to kind of recap all that, it was incredible. But there's Tony Barnhart, who's been one of the, you know, leading college football journalists saying this is something that, you know, my friends, my family, emotions all over the place.
2: That was really powerful. It really, really was. And Tony Bernhardt and everybody, all these uh, former uh, UGA, uh, you know, alum. it was a bunch of them there. I mean, it really, really, it was star-studded all over the place because that's how much the University of Georgia means to their alumni, to their fan base. And he, I mean, to say that he, if we ever go to the national championship, I'm going to be in the stands. And his, his his friends, and he said, Go to the Florida Georgia game or Georgia Florida game to you, Georgia fans, every single year. It just look, it meant everything to them Georgia fans. And I mean, them Georgia alumni, why wouldn't I mean, you know, L Duncan, you know, on, on television on the Paul Feinbaum show said, Paul, I'm here to talk trash. I'm telling you right now, I'm not gonna be professional, I'm talking trash. I'm seeing DJ Shockley and those guys out there, Alva Kamara. Was out there with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara transferred to freaking uh to freaking Tennessee because he wanted to be at the game. That's how big this game was. So I do I am happy with Tony Barnum and those guys. And like he said, I mean it is a storybook. Uh, it is a storybook uh, type in the for for uh Stastny Bennett, but somebody's gonna have to plan, BJ. I mean, old man football. You think you got a script in you to go out there and throw a couple of touchdown passes? Don't get scared now. They call your phone. You got to answer the call.
1: Yeah. More touchdown passes for me. That ain't happening. So I'm just saying, how many, like
2: passes, how many touchdown passes do you have right now currently in old man football? What's your st- uh, what's I think your my touchdown score? to
1: interception ratio is like 95 to 4. I'm pretty sure. What is
2: your touchdown to interception ratio when, when targeting a uh, one Kevin Thomas? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 100%. Kevin, Yeah, Kevin's running like
0: 70-yard <laughs> seam routes saying, why can't you get it down the field to no, me? No, no. BJ shows up and says, man, I'm dropping dimes out there. I literally run 20 yards downfield. He goes, I can't throw it that far. Who do you think I am? I'm like, well, you're out of here saying you're dropping no, down." No, no, no. Okay, I also, was open. If we're bringing clarity, you got there like an hour and a half after we had been playing.
2: <laughs> to r- running one route talking about feed me the rock. Feed me. No, no, no. I get, I get the whole. you feel like playing today. I'm tired as hell. But I mean, I'm going to go out there and run. Kevin wants the rock. I'm, I'm just embracing my inner wide receiver. I'm open on every play. <laughs> Give it to me.
0: I'm not going <laughs> to drop it. That's fine. Hey, you and Cody, always open. Uh,
2: never been covered a day in my life. Right, Ben? That's how it works, I mean, right? I mean, yeah. Listen, Kevin said, if you want me to show up and you're not going to utilize my talents, I'm going an to Antonio Brown you. I'm gone. No, I'm leaving right now. This is just I'm a, a, the proud and I'm gone. sample size of one. I'm going to ask the guy
0: here. Ben, in all of your years at Florida, in all of your years in the National Football League, in all of your time at Butler High School, did you ever walk back in the huddle and say, yeah, man, I was covered on that play.
2: Not one time I'm betting. Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna say. Even if that happened, I'm not gonna say that. That's what I'm saying. You got, yeah, you got to have that competitive juice. No, no, no. For everybody who think listen, there's a lot of athletic arrogance that goes on with all grown men. Bj only cares about what he did on the positive side of things. BJ gonna let you know what he did and what you could. have Where done were there. the interceptions? There aren't no. <laughs> <laughs> there, there aren't any interceptions. BJ, 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 PJ threw me a pass and you and your brother hit me in my back before the ball got there and looked at me like, and I'm just saying, it's cold though. We're going both ways, <laughs> offense and defense. We got more
0: to come here. at Three and out. Speaking of running routes, Brock Bauer certainly could do that and bring in some great catches. We'll have Ben dissect uh, Georgia's freshman tight end when we come back. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Route running here on the show. Everybody's open all the time. BJ's hitting nothing but numbers in the chest on the money. I don't Every run time.
1: routes. I don't play defense. I, don't, I, I just stand back there. Boom, open. I'll
0: find you and get you the ball. <laughs> At least that used to be the case. On one afternoon, long time. ago. It happened ago. once in a very long time ago. We've got uh, look. It happened a lot for uh, for Georgia. They were able to find guys uh, open. Uh, and get things done Brock Bowers had a key touchdown catch 333 to go in the national championship game Ben we've talked a little bit about uh, him 56 receptions 882 yards 13 touchdowns I don't know that Georgia came close to having a thousand yard receiver at the receiving spot they were very close there with the tight end spot and Brock Bowers a guy that was a true freshman what do you see from him uh, obviously if he continues this pace He's only going to get two more seasons in Athens, Ben. But what do you see from that guy as it relates to the tight end position?
2: Wise beyond his years, a guy that just understands uh, understands like uh, spacing on the field, and he's a physical freak. I I don't know I don't know too many guys that has that much speed at his size. You can't coach speed, you can't coach athleticism, and he has it. But the thing that stands out with the most Brock Biles is he does it when it matters. Like he ain't just out there giving you stats for nothing. You keep on saying who was this guy? I mean, obviously I broke down tape of him running away uh, from a safety who had an angle on him. He 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 shows that all you need is a guy. Like when it comes to football, you don't need multiple guys to get it done. You need it. You need a guy on the outside that can make plays. when need you need a guy at the tight end position who can make plays. Uh, we need and you need and you need a, you need a, a solid run game. If you don't believe me, go look at Kansas City. Who they run their passing game through? Travis Kelsey. Who who do who do, who do who do the Raiders run their passing game through? That would be Darren Waller. Who do San Francisco run their passing game through? That would be George Kittle. And he looked like Kyle Pitts as a senior or a junior, as a freshman. He giving you Kyle Pitts type numbers, type type production. Thirteen touchdowns means he's affecting the scoreboard. That's how you affect the game. First downs, touchdowns, impact. He has it all, and. The fact that he's doing it as a freshman shows that the game isn't too big for him. He wants—he, I mean—he wants to be in the spotlight. He knows that he's going to be the one everybody's trying to stop. Good luck with that. The game hasn't even slowed down for him yet. Go back to the SC championship game. let all, let out led all. Our uh, receivers and uh, catches yards and a touchdown. You t- you go back to the, you go back to the Orange Bowl. They open it up touchdown. Uh, you know, to um, Brock Bowers and obviously uh, made his impact felt and. And the, and the greatest thing is, I don't think he cares that, I don't know him, but I don't think he cares that much about, uh, you know, BJ filling up the box score. He cares about being impactful. That's what he is. Like, cause you say how, how good, when Kyle Pierce played last year, he looks like how he played. This dude, like, he, he can run. He can. And when he gets out there on the field, he's the most dominant player. Brock Bowles at certain parts of this season was the best player for Georgia on offense, and that's taking nothing away from Stetson or Zebo or George Pickens or Burton or Kiara Jackson or, or you know, a so, Cook. The biggest, the most, listen, the best player to me for Georgia this year, the best player for me for Georgia this year was Stetson Bennett. The most impactful player was probably Brock Bowles because you was going into the season, BJ, and I, and I and obviously I didn't, I didn't mess uh, with Brooks Austin about it. You're supposed to have 2,000-yard receivers on the outside. One guy gets hurt. And people forget this. Brock Bowles wasn't even supposed to play. That was supposed to be Eric Gilbert. He was supposed to be the starter. Darnell Washington was supposed to be the backup. This guy ended up starting, leading the team in catches, yards, touchdowns. Brock Bowles, he is a beast. He is a freak, whatever you want to call him. But when you, when you, when, you uh, when you put him out there on the field, BJ, good luck with trying to stop him because you couldn't even do it. Alabama couldn't do it twice. Michigan, hey, man, y'all had to deal with him. And, and SEC defenses, hey, man, he kept those defensive coordinators up night. But, yeah, I, I think this kid, I think this guy's going to be like, – he got a, he got a chance to rewrite all the record books, not just at Georgia, but maybe at the tight end position in the SEC. You were one of the first tight ends, Ben, we've talked
1: about this, to, to average 15, 16 yards per catch, be one of those downfield uh, playmakers. I think I I, I think Bowers up around 17. Uh, how amazing is that? How impressive is that? that's a big-time average for a receiver on the perimeter to be a tight end and to bring that big playability to the seam in the middle of the field.
2: What does that do for an offense? It it makes it so that you don't need – I mean, I know it's crazy, but it makes the guys on the outside obsolete. It makes them optional instead of a priority. You you need a guy that can move the change. You need a guy that's going to make those safeties back up. You need a guy that's going to make his money in between the numbers, and and he provides all that. And because you play so much focus on one guy, other guys get open. Other guys getting one on ones. George Pickens had two big catches, right? One in the SEC championship game against Alabama, you know. One in the national championship. Why? Because they're so focused on Brock. BJ, you, BJ. I mean, I, when you think about what a tight end does, he does, he does his damage. What, what the bulk of most balls are thrown. Most balls aren't thrown on the outside. Those are very, very low percentage uh, completion balls. You're going to complete eighty to ninety percent of the balls in between the numbers, in between the hash. Well, that's where he lives. Problem is. When he gets his hands on the ball, he got he has not nah, Listen, He don't have he don't have elite uh, uh receiver uh speed, but he has elite tight end speed. That kid is he's 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 a four, 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 five easy. So I think that when you look at Brock Bowers, he makes it so that Monkey can go to bed tonight going, all right, whoo, I got me somebody that I can run the pass the game through. Cause we think it has got to be by committee, right? No, nope, it could be a committee of one. His name is Brock, last name Bowers. And if you think he ain't that good, ask anybody that has to go up against him, has went up against him, or, you know, uh seen him on tape. He, I mean, he checks it off. The only reason why he's not going pro is because of, you know, these NCAA regulations that say, quote, I got to be three years in school, which is nonsensical. If the kid can play in the SEC, big-time football, he can play at the next level. He going to make an NFL team very, very happy a couple of years from now. But, unfortunately, everybody in the SEC East, including my Gators, they got to deal with this kid for the next two years.
0: Yeah, unbelievable talent there uh, as well. And kind of, uh, Ben, we've seen it as the, the years have gone on, kind of the redefined role of the tight end. Georgia had, what, three that played very regular uh, out there. You had, and again, I guess it's more of like an NFL concept. You have your guy who's in there basically to block, who will utilize in the sneak attack situation where, hey, you normally block, but they forgot about you. There you go. You got a guy that's simply a horrendous matchup for other teams. And that was what Brock Bowers was. It was, hey, you can block, but mostly we know there's not a traditional guy on the other side that, if we line up in this formation, is going to be able to stay with you for four quarters, play in,
2: play out, and, and provide quality coverage. You're going to get open, and we can get you to football. Brock Bowers is a specialist. He specializes in getting open. That's what he does. What do you do? I get open. Put put anybody on the cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, and I get open, and and I do it consistently. Okay. Well, can you stretch the field? Yes. Can you turn one play into can you turn a play into one play for a score? Yes, I have breakaway game breaking speed at the tight end position. You know, I'm sick, I'm 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, I'm about 230, 235. But with the ball in my hand, you might as well call me a sprinter because I'm trying to get in that zone. How many touchdowns? 13. For a career? No, as a freshman. What? 13 touchdowns? Yes, double digit touchdowns at the at the at the receiver position. That's productivity. That means I'm getting it done. How many catches do you average a game? Doesn't matter. How many yards do you average a game? Doesn't matter. I get first downs, touchdowns, impact the game. So BJ, Kevin, people, are, he is a weapon. He he's not he's not a mismatch night man. He's a weapon. Every I mean they didn't didn't he have a rushing touchdown? I mean the kid can do it all. I mean basically basically every every offensive coordinator wants a toy. All of them do. I want a toy. I, can, I mean I got this kid named Brock Bowers right. When I watch what this kid does and that's what they do. He makes the playbook expand, but all those plays as big, but they all call for him. So I'm just saying, I, I love to see him do what he does. I'm a fan of these players first. Like I said, and Brock Bowers is about as good as I've seen BJ. And obviously that's some unique company that we talk about tight end play in the sec. You got some big names, but I don't think nobody came out the gate like this.
1: Yeah, and I think, as you mentioned, Kevin, NFL scouts already looking at this guy going, what what year is this? What year is he? I mean, this guy's a generational
0: talent at that position. Absolutely. We've got much more to come here on 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio, 912-342-7184. We'll give away uh, one of Ben's books, Uncommon and Unfinished, a Ben Troop story a little bit later in the show, so keep listening for your chance to win. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Wednesday. We'll have your opportunity to win Ben's book coming up in just a little bit. A copy, a signed copy of Uncommon and Unfinished, a Ben Troop story written by B.J. Bennett. So we'll do that coming up uh, next hour. So keep listening for your chance to win. John Lastinger is going to join us, former Georgia quarterback. We'll get his thoughts on what took place there on Monday night. And, of course, Georgia fans, the partying is continuing. And uh, I saw Darren Revell on Twitter put out a a tweet that was probably – the most well well, done moment uh, that we've seen. But in less than 24 hours, Georgia had bought more merch. Georgia Bulldog fans and Georgia Bulldogs had sold more merch on Fanatics than the previous bestseller, which was Alabama 2021, did in the 30 days after winning their title. And obviously, some factors play into that. One, that was Alabama's latest title. So unless you're saying well, I got the 2018 jersey. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get the 2020 jersey. So uh, I have to do that. But Georgia also, this is like 40 years of stash under the mattress money where now everybody's got to get their championship merch, right? I mean, it's like the Atlanta Braves. Everybody, no, Nobody had seen this happen in like 25 years. You're going to buy the World Series gear, right? You're going to be like, they, they won it. This is double that almost. So it's like, 40 years of frustration. What, are you not going to buy the championship merch if you're a Georgia fan? You you know, it's like, it's going to happen. So, not surprising. The least surprising thing that has happened in 2022 to date. No, the build-up.
1: I mean, this has been, you've released the Kraken of anticipation and and, and energy and excitement. I mean, this is like... It's taking over. It's taking over every, everywhere you look. It's Georgia football, the title, the
0: championship, yeah. 1980. And there's like, uh, like the minimum amount of merch you're gonna buy is, you know, probably a couple hundred. B- I mean, you gotta get the shirt, you gotta get the hat, probably gotta get the Coke bottles, the commemorative Coke bottles, all all, all kind of the, stuff. Yeah, you
1: know, here's the eight by ten. No, you're getting it all, and everybody you see at some point we'll have a Georgia championship. I mean, I don't even know if you're if you're now if you're a fan of Florida, I'm not saying like bit but or if you're a Georgia Tech fan, but I think if you're even like a casual sports fan in the state, because it's such a historic moment, even if you're not,
0: you know, a I've been a Bulldog fan my yeah. whole
1: life Dude, Georgia's just one that it's, – it's the it's, it's the story of
0: a generation. Yeah. So and it's yes. a nice color compliment to the Carolina National Championship okay. that you wear in the fall. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, You got the Georgia football. Yeah, you got the, the Georgia Duke football Carolina National basketball. Championship. <laughs> and then you got the Coach <laughs> K Farewell Tour <laughs> Championship <laughs> oh, 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 that uh, that you got to wear to complete the Georgia uh, ensemble.
1: Everybody's giggling. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, okay. But
0: I, it, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. That if it wasn't true, it wouldn't be funny.
2: get something commemorated okay i'm gonna get something now you can't even show up to can't even show up to the celebration they saying, hey dude where you where you get your shirt from no i mean i got it no 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 no, this is authentic stuff now they're they checking labels they say you know what i'm saying you got the people people tweeting out you know i mean look man he got a confirmation number he got a freaking order number man but but no I, but kevin did say if, if you alabama you thinking like yeah man like we've been here a minute. You Georgia, hey, you should be ready to go out there and get that authentic stuff because BJ, you know just like I know you. Listen, if uh, if Georgia would have been the UCF, okay, I get that part. You're not you, you're not doing the Mickey Mouse uh, national championship right. gear. That that's ridiculous. Quick question, quick
0: question. Got a minute? What is the weirdest thing you think somebody will slap a 2021 championship thing on a piece of merch? Like you know there's gonna be dog collars and cat toys and all kinds of stuff like that. But what is like the weirdest thing? Oh my god, so definitely- it's gonna, listen,
2: I'm gonna say it right now. We 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 live in Georgia it's gonna be so many 2021 National Championship belt buckles like you ain't never seen <laughs> in your freaking life. I'm telling you know it's gonna be because that's because Kevin, it's about something you can wear all the time. They throwing it on and they're gonna be like, Wait, I'm saying, oh my god, man, so the belt buckles is there. And you know, I mean, it's Georgia. They will come up with something very, very unique. I mean, them red overalls gonna have to get you know something tatted, you know, painted on them now. Cause I'm just getting flat tire. tire you right? Gotta get the
1: tire replaced. What tire do you want? We got the
2: ones with the G uh, 2021
0: the, it, it, uh, on it. Uh, no, the 2021 National Championship rims. Ah, there you go. Hey, Kevin, and don't think somebody go don't take his idea. Kevin, (laughs) Thomas took my idea, man. I'm just finna do it. I'm sure somebody will at the end of the day. We got more to come. John (laughs) Lastinger going to join us when we return. Former Georgia quarterback. And we'll talk national championship with him here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Hey, And Ben, final hour of the program. Glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We're also streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can also see us live video streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Georgia still reveling in the national championship it brought home on Monday night. Joining us here on the program, former Georgia quarterback, won the 82 SEC championship, uh, won the 1984 Cotton Bowl as well. John Lastinger joining us here on 3 and Out. John, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: I'm doing great.
5: I'm I uh, really I'm, uh, I'm really good this week, and I appreciate you having me on.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and again, so much has uh, has tied up uh, into uh, the 1980. I know you came and played quarterback on the heels of that 1980 championship, uh, but as someone who is right there in the the immediate future, you've kind of been around for the entirety of this gap between national championships uh, <laughs> there at Georgia. How much? Uh, does that mean that what happened on Monday night and just how heavy do you think that weight had gotten uh, on the program even though players are like look I wasn't even born in 1980 much less know what that was all about how much of that weight uh, do you think had built up uh, over the last uh, you know several years before you were finally able to get it done on Monday night
5: yeah I mean that's it's a, you know interesting that you bring that up because I do think it probably had more of an impact on those of us that as you said had had kind of weathered the 41 year drought um you know not just us that played in the in the early 80s but but you know a lot of fans too so uh probably a little unfair to 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 throw it on some of the kids like you said that are coming up that weren't even born back then so um but you know it 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 is it's it's neat in that um you know, our 40 year reunion for the 80 team, which I was, uh, I obviously played on, but was, was Richard because I hurt my knee that year. But I, uh, we didn't get to have our, our, our 40 year reunion in, in, uh, in 2020 because of COVID. And so we had it this fall, which you know, you almost think that, you know, that there was something a higher calling for us to have it this year. And, uh, and, you know, and, and then it turned out the season turned out the way it did, but it's, uh, you know, and and we every time we've had a reunion, always says somebody stands up and says, you know, uh, until it's not about us, it's still about us, and we all laugh. But 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 the but we quickly followed that was we're ready for somebody to, uh, you know, to come join us, you know, and so uh, just really really happy for this this group to get that, that got it done.
1: And John Stetson Bennett, I mean the national story, the iconic story. Uh, What has been so special about his game that has helped Georgia get to this point? And and you played in one, some big games during your career. But look at the last two games alone. Stetson Bennett near perfect against Michigan in the Orange Bowl. And then the fourth quarter of the game Monday night, uh, just absolutely clutched down the stretch. What does that say about him? And what makes this guy so special?
5: Well, uh, you know, and and I haven't uh I've never met Stetson and and I know I've got some some friends in Blackshear and they all just rave about, you know, what what a, you know, great kid and a great family that he that he comes from. Um, you know, I think he just he he, he has kind of a captivating personality and I mean his story, you know, to to show up, I mean had place had chances to go to small colleges, you know, probably receive some form of a scholarship, but he wanted to walk on at Georgia but then to walk off from Georgia and go to a junior college because he wanted to play um, and go have some incredible success in one year in junior college and then come back on scholarship, only to be just about kicked to the curve again at the beginning of last year when he was third or fourth team. And, uh, you know, he just – his resiliency is incredible. And I, and I think he's just got, as I said, an infectious personality that that as, as – Time passed. I mean, I think his teammates just—I mean—they looked at him and said, "You know, he's our guy." I mean, he is just—you know—we want to—we want to go to battle with him. And you know, I think as far as X's and O's, I mean, you know, he—he—he, he, he, yeah. I mean, limited probably in a couple areas, but I mean, I think his ability to 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 get away, uh, use his legs, make a play—I mean, uh, he did it time and time again this year, and I think that was that was really something that that Kirby Smart. And that offensive staff really wanted to see.
2: And John even sticking with Kirby Smart, you think about a guy that's only been there for six years, you look at this as his second national championship appearance and finally getting over the hump with Alabama. Just talk about how much you know Kirby has meant to the University of Georgia, passing up obviously a lot of head coaching opportunities because he wanted to be the head coach at Georgia. To for a guy to be as young as he is to have as much success as he had so early. I mean, how how, how long can he can he hold on to this? Uh the this is saying success to be able to say, Hey man, I know Alabama is the team to beat, but I think we got something to say about it for years to come.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, what we've seen is, uh, I mean, you know, he's gotten there. Um, he's basically made everybody around him in Athens and and, and within that, you know, football staff office basically raised their game. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, you hate to say he's relentless, but he kind of is in a lot of areas. I mean, he just, uh, he works them and works them hard, but it's, uh, you know, I think he learned that from that guy over there in Tuscaloosa. Um, You know, I I mean, again, yes, I think, I think first and foremost, he's recruited really well. Um, I mean, I think he's been able to hire some, some really good coaches, but, you know, having said all that, I mean, I do. And yeah, I agree a hundred percent, Ben. I think, I think they're going to, um, I mean, you know, they're in position to be a factor, you know, for the coming years that said i mean the sec is only going to get tougher i mean it's uh you know you got texas and oklahoma coming to town soon um you know other schools are gonna you know i mean tennessee's trying to get it back on track and i mean you know your alma mater florida i mean they i mean they're not gonna stay down long i mean they're they're just they got such a recruiting base down there so uh you know we're excited um uh, you know i mean on cloud nine this week for sure and and Know we hope it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and we do. I do think that we, you know, we've now finally taken it to the next level, and that's that's certainly important. But you know, when you do that, and you you know you're as you know you're going to have that bullseye on your back now, and it's just going to get tougher.
0: John Lastinger joining us here on Three and Out, and uh, and John, obviously, uh, you know all about some great Georgia defenses uh, there, those junkyard dog defenses in the in the eighties. Uh, What about this group, though? Uh, What did you see when you watched them play and uh, just to be so dominant all season long? Save really one game, and they kind of used that as motivation uh, to get back to the championship. Had a great game on on Monday night. But what can you say about this defense and just the the Game 1 to Game 15 effort that you saw out of that group?
5: Yeah, I mean, we just, I mean, just, uh, they spoiled us. I mean, you know, I mean, really, I mean, you just, uh, you kept thinking, you know, week after week after week and they keep this up and and of course they for 12 games they did and you then you're right uh just just didn't have a, a great day against uh, uh against Alabama in the SEC championship and you know had a couple of injuries in the secondary and 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 you know you might could question the secondary a little bit you know i mean again is that i said that that's probably unfair i mean they you know it it's a defense that blitzed an awful lot i mean they come after you and and as as you know ben those i mean you when when you blitz you're playing a lot of man coverage behind them so you got to you know you got to i mean you know guy cornerback safety's got to. they got to be sharp i mean they've got a they've got to you know get a break up passes i mean a lot of 50-50 balls that they've got to you know get after a break up so uh um but i mean i just you know the kobe dean i mean i mean i think he starts with him that guy Oh, man, he is just such a – I've heard so many people talk about what a great young man he is, um, um, you know, and he's just a heck of a ball player. And, I mean, I think he just held everybody. I mean, I think Nolan Smith, another one who down from Savannah, you know, I mean, they're just – you had three or four guys that just held everybody accountable. And, and, you know, and it and it just, you know, it just spread. And, I mean, I think it's it was just special to watch them. They were really good
1: really cool to hear you and uh, you know other players from uh, Georgia's, Georgia's golden era talk about the memories and the shared relationships and uh, what it's like years later reflecting on those times. What do you think it's going to be like for these guys uh, when they, I, I, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line, look back and say, we won the national championship, we beat Alabama, and who knows, we may kind of set in motion a new modern Dynasty type program, a la Alabama, or a program like that. What do you think these memories and moments are going to be like for these players down the line?
5: Well, you know, I just hope they they stay connected. I mean, I mean, you know, and because it's it's really more about friendships and relationships that you make. Um, I mean, you know, again, it's just, uh, I mean, you know, forty years, actually forty one years, you know, for us when we had that reunion, and and you know, you go to them. And, and life hits you right square in the face when you look around and there's a couple of them that aren't here. They're no longer with us, you know, and so these, um, uh, you know, that's not something these guys need to be thinking about right now, but I just hope that those relationships, you know, stay much like ours for the 1980 team. Cause we're just a close bunch. Um, you know, I, I mean, they got in the Kobe Dean. We have a guy named Frank Ross. I mean, he's just, he just held this team together. I mean, you know, it doesn't, just about once a month, you're going to get an email from Frank Ross that's going out to everybody on the eighty team, not just players, managers, trainers, sometimes even assistant coaches, just updating us on, hey, somebody needs help, or somebody's not, you know, they're sick, you know, keep them in your prayers, those kind of things, or, hey, we're getting together in Atlanta, or hey, we're doing this, and it's just, I mean, it's been amazing, and and I gotta think that this group will do, will do something like that because they they've got the same, I mean, I just think they got the same DNA, and I just you know more than anything, I just hope it's that those relationships stay there, and that in 40 years from now, you know, I won't be here, but I mean, they'll be you know they'll be going to reunions and hugging each other, and 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 you know reliving the same memories that we did.
2: And John, I mean, even expand on that a little more. I think often times people think. uh you know, you play with a team and people think that, you know, you just, you just like keep in touch with these guys and some, and obviously you got your core set of guys that you know, or the core set of guys that you came in with, but you need something that's, that's, that bonds us together for life. Nothing does that more than a national championship. But you talk about, I do agree when you talk about the fact that, you know, guys are here today, gone today, not here, they gone tomorrow. How important is having something like this to know, Hey man, how we did it, who we did it against is going to make it. So that look, we want to make sure that this is not just a moment of time. This becomes our moment of time that carries us for the rest of our lives.
5: Oh, I listen, I mean, you're, you're so right. And, I mean, it's a, I mean, a resume-type thing. I mean, you know, I mean, you go get a job and somebody looks like, you know, and you say, well, you know, I mean, and again, I mean, Nicobe Dean's probably got an NFL career in front of him for sure. But, you know, as you know, that may not last long. But, I mean, to go in there and say, hey, I was the team captain of the 19, or excuse me, the 2021 University of Georgia football team. I mean, you know, that, that can take you a long way. And it's just, uh, again, I mean, I think it's, uh, and, and, you know, it's just, it helps you further down in life. You're going to be dealt some adversity, you know, in some form or fashion. I mean, it's just, uh, and and I just think to you can draw from that. And, and, I don't, you know, you can being, playing football, playing any, any organized sport. I mean, you know, you can draw from things that happen out there between the lines. And I mean, I, you know, that's, so that probably transcends just somebody winning the championship, but I do think it gets magnified when you win a championship because you know, the work that you put in was worth it.
0: John Lastinger joining us here on uh three and I, John I want to kind of follow up with something you said, because, we talked to to Buck Belue earlier, and I I kind of joked like, "Hey, it's a club of two guys right now." The starting quarterback who won a national championship, but as a guy who has that ring, uh, what what is it going to be like for these guys? Because that is a in this state, it means so much, and it's a very small fraternity, as you said. Like, hey, we wanted some company. Like, we had 40 years yeah. waiting for somebody to join us, and now you have those guys. I mean, what is that like? To as you said. For for people can maybe have an idea, but to walk around in the state of Georgia and say, "Yeah, I want a national title at Georgia." I played on that team, and uh, and it's it's more than just one team now. But just what is that like? Because I don't think a lot of people truly understand what happened on Monday night and how it affects these guys for the rest of their lives off the field.
5: Yeah, well, it's uh, of course when you talk about you know national championship winning quarterbacks, I'm naming. Yeah, that's a fraternity of two. I'm not in that one. So. <laughs> I had a chance. I got real close, you know, losing the Penn State in the national championship game in '83, in the '83 Sugar Bowl against Todd Blackledge and, and Penn State. And uh, but uh, you know, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, bigger than just the quarterback position. I mean, no, I mean, I think those. It, it just, it, it's, you know, it, I mean, it is. They're 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 there. I mean, you know, they're like I said. It's it's. You know, we as the eighty team, we say it's not about us anymore. We got, we you know, somebody sent an email out today, like you know, hey, we got to welcome a whole another bunch to the family, you know. And I mean, it's just uh, so. I mean, I think that's you know, that is special. I guess the thing I never something that I never really thought about You know, it's like, hey, now we're one big family, and we got a, we got you know some new family members. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it, yeah, it's 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 big. I mean, it really is, and and, and it's you know, you got to. And like I said, at some point some of some of the you know just the exhilaration of the game will wear off. And I mean to me, like I said, that goes back to those relationships and just being you know, just having that bond there that that's really important.
0: John Lastinger, former Georgia quarterback, our guest here on Three and Out. John, really appreciate the time. I know everybody in Bulldog Nation enjoying this one and we appreciate it. Thanks so much.
5: Hey guys, appreciate you having me on.
0: Appreciate it. John Lastinger joining us here on three and out and again what a uh, story uh, as he said we've got new members uh, to the family of national champions there in athens we got more to come here it's three and out on the southern pigskin radio network kevin bj and ben glad you're making us a part of your day we'll give away a copy of uncommon and unfinished Ben Troop story coming up here in just a little bit but we've talked about uh monday night from a number of different angles uh bj and ben but something that george has been kind of known for not talked about a whole lot uh, in Monday night. That's the run game, which showed up at opportune times. Of course, a uh, James Cook huge run to set up uh, the first touchdown, and then when Georgia needed to burn clock late in the game, we uh, were able to do that through the power run game.
1: Yeah, I think so many storylines to process, Stetson Bennett, the defense, but I do think it's worth mentioning the job those running backs did in that national championship game where the James Cook run was one of the Turning points of the game. One of the, uh, I think, real moments where you point and looked and went, oh, okay. Now I feel like we can move the football and confidently attack Alabama and uh, and 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 close this thing out late. And then. You talk about uh, Zamir White. He had the first touchdown of the afternoon. It was a field goal game until Zamir White was able to get in the end zone. But, yeah, James Cook with the late play where I think that confidence was really reinforced and validated, and you started to look around and go, we're going to win this thing. I feel really good about us winning this thing. And also, great point late. I know we focus on the Bowers' touchdown, and understandably so. uh, Bennett to Bowers, one of the great throws there in Georgia history. But you were able to move deep into Alabama territory, and really lean on the Crimson Tide with 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 Cook and White and those guys running the ball. So Georgia's running back you uh, these running backs on this roster have, have, have added to that legacy, but uh, really, really good efforts. And you think about Cook, what he did in the Orange Bowl as well, but really good efforts from the running backs on Monday night as well. Worth mentioning that. Yeah,
2: BJ, I mean, isn't, isn't it, isn't it uh, ironic, uh, even Kevin, that when you think about Georgia, when it's all said and done, they lean on what it, what they've always done. And I give listen, I give a lot of credit to Samir White and Cook and those guys because they come into Georgia based off what they saw. They saw Sonny Michelle. They saw Nick Chubb and those guys. They was like, dude, I want that. But the greatest thing a quarterback – I mean, the greatest thing a running back has is his ability to adjust. I came to – I remember Zamir White, I think, was the number one running back in the country when he first got to Georgia, tore his ACL. He missed the entire season, and people were thinking, okay, what type of career is he going to have? I mean, he had what? He had double-digit touchdowns and back-to-back seasons over 2,000 yards. That's a great career, but we've gotten so adjusted to seeing guys score 20 and 30. No, double-digit touchdowns at the running back position is about as good as you can be. But Samir White, he stayed the course. People was thinking, because he was another one of those big later dishes last year, saying, I'm coming back when people could say, it, is he going to go on and go to the National Football League? But I credit those guys, because your greatest recruiter is the, is the kids that's already playing for you. When they see the way Cook and Samir White McIntosh and those guys, they don't they don't complain. They just go out there and do what they ask. Because Georgia have won every game, just won the football this year? Yeah. But they said, look, we want you guys to be complimentary. We know we used to run the offense through you guys, but we got Stetson Bennett or whatever, so we're gonna let him throw it a little bit. He got the freshman tight end named Brock Bowers. Because I will say that when everybody went down, I thought it was gonna be the running game, right? Kevin Wright, BJ, uh, 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 George Pickens goes down. Eric Gilbert never never got there on campus. Who's gonna be your guy? Was gonna be Burton. Was gonna be Karras Jackson. But whatever you needed to run, go back to the first game of the season. They needed to seal the win. How do they get it? Running the football to seal that win against Clemson. So I give those guys a lot of credit. I know that Cook had decided, obviously he's moving on to uh you know to go to go pro. But when you look back at the Georgia RB running back, UBJ, the Sonny Michelle, the Nick Chubbs, uh, you know, uh the, the Tiger and those guys, as great as they were, they don't got that. Don't be the thing if you ain't got that ring. And them boys got that ring, and I and 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 I think it just proves that what one guy started, somebody else got to finish, whoever ever thought was gonna be Cook. And Ozebo, a.k.a. Samir White, holla, holla, you know, uh, holla at them boys. I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, and again,
0: the, the run game, I think, largely unheralded for most of this season uh, because it was about why is, is Stetson starting? Is it going to be JT Daniels? Who's going to step up at, at wide receiver? Look at this kid, Brock Bowers, who's just going uh, bananas, and the defense is all-worldly. You kind of really forgot about the run game, right? I mean, you, you just throughout the season, you didn't talk about it very much. It was just you got – Kind of chalked it up like, hey, you got three, four guys that can you could throw back there and you'll you'll get the job done. But everybody's eyes were everywhere else on that field. But the running game, which again in the the, the clutch moments, took care of business for you.
1: Absolutely. Really good group. Really good group, uh, good depth, and I think played a you know played an important role in, in, in Georgia winning a national championship and played an important role on, on Monday night, especially late in that game. But Ben, you mentioned Cook. I mean, see what you guys think. I think he's Got a lot to offer an NFL team. I mean, go back to uh, his run on Monday night. Go back to uh, the Orange Bowl. Go back to late in the season, especially uh, his productivity was on clear display. Loved the versatility. You know, he's not a back that has been worn down by you know 500 carries uh, in, in in college. He's a guy that uh, can can step in, be an every down player for you. I think uh, has the home run ability, but can also run between the tackles, can carry the load, and then in the passing game, he is more than proven. So I'm excited to see what could can do at the next level as he announced today entering the NFL draft.
2: Well, yeah, BJ, and I think you just said it. I mean, it used to be a time where by the time these Georgia running backs get to the National Football League, their best years are behind them because they've had so much wear and tear. The goal of any offense is to showcase what a player can do. Not with every single carry. I'm going to show what you can do in the run game. I'm going to show you what you can do in the passing game. Because what they're really doing is saying, look, most guys need a lot of opportunities to be to be impactful. No, you guys get limited opportunities while knowing I'm going to have to share the load, and you're still getting double-digit rushing touchdowns, not to mention what they do in the receiving game. So Proud of those boys because I'm telling you, there ain't a player. A player has to understand his role when you first get to college. Then he has to accept his role. Then he has to go out there and you know and actually be be do you know uh, prove what he what he can and can't do on the field. And I and I give those guys a lot of credit. Everybody wants everybody wants to be the headliner in sports. I don't care what anybody says, but to know you go, hey man, uh, y'all a group. What? Hey, no, 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 it's 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 mere and James. Okay. And then and as long as you're winning, it's easy to do it. So I give those guys a lot of credit. I know coming into college, they thought they were going to be the feature back, but the feature back has changed. Now you got the feature back as far as like, you know, look, one guy may do this better than that guy, but when all said and done, Zamir White, you got to score a touchdown in the national championship. With everything he's been through in his career. James Cook, everybody thought you was going to Florida State to follow your brother. Nope. And now you get to say you're a national champion. So shout out to those running backs, man. I'm telling you guys, whenever these future running backs see the current running backs, you already know what the standard is because of who you are, who you're going share the same room with.
0: Yeah, we've got uh, so much more to get to uh, on the show. But what we do want to do, Ben, is we wanna, we've want we been doing it every Wednesday. We do want to give away a copy, a signed copy, of Uncommon and Unfinished, the Ben Troop story uh, here on the show. So caller number four right now, 912-342-7184, 912 912- Three four two seven one eight four. Caller four will get a signed copy of your book. I know uh, Ben. A lot of people who have uh, been been reading it have really enjoyed it and said, "Look, I I knew about Ben the football player. I'm learning more about Ben the the guy. The, the and it kind of what makes you you." So uh, I think it's a really good uh, good good opportunity for somebody to, to win a copy of it. If you don't. Win a copy.
2: Ben 84com I'm being your pitch man in all the right ways here. Dan. And then, I, listen, I'm, I, listen, I'm Kevin. Kevin, listen. You listen, Kevin. You got you got to call it again. Listen, my book. Listen, listen, my book is finished. I am not, but yes, I mean, uh, <laughs> uncombed and unfinished. The Bench True Store with BJ Bennett. Yes. Uh, uh, I always available at 4com for the fourth caller, 912 342 I will say this. There are a lot of things I have done in my lifetime. Nothing I am, outside of my children, man, and my family, there aren't too many things I'm, I'm as proud of as I am when it comes to this book because I hope that the book resonates with you. I hope that you hear you even though it's coming from me and BJ's words. And I never ever thought that I would be able to give something to the world to the world like this, but I'm enjoying it, Kevin. I'm enjoying the feedback. But, yes, the fourth caller will get a signed copy of Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben Troop story with BJ Bennett, nine one two three four two seven one eight four. And as And as Kevin Thomas said, my book is finished. I am not. And Ben will even sign it 2008 uh, at the end of this podcast. <laughs> if, if, if you look, if you're a Georgia fan,
0: I might put a little trash talk in there, even though it ain't going to mean nothing. <laughs> Fourth caller, 912-342-7184. Call right now. We're giving away a uh, copy of Uncommon Unfinished, a Ben Troop story. Love to hear from you. Call right now. Got lines open. Going to give that book away today. We'll do one every week on the show leading up to the Super Bowl. We'll come back with more 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along, 3 and Out, on this Wednesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us here all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Coming up Friday, we're going to be... Live at the uh, Inmark Savannah Hockey Classic. Looking forward to that from the Savannah Civic Center. Final time at the Savannah Civic Center before it moves over to the in-market arena. But you got Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State uh, going at it in hockey. Looking forward to that, and we'll be on hand there at the uh, Savannah Civic Center. Come out and enjoy it. It's a great event if you've never been. going to be a lot of fun uh, watching those four teams get after it. Uh, out there on the ice It is a lot of fun
1: And the passion and the pride that you would expect Is there I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a rivalry on the ice Just as it is in every other sport And uh, it's a great, great fan event When you think about those programs And those fans And the rooting interests And the rivalries, of course, clearly So looking forward to uh, being out there And uh, we're gonna, look, we're all going to get out there Because I've been out there Made a fool of myself Ben, we're going to get you on the ice that's my that's my mission for later in the week. Get you guys on the ice and see how it goes.
2: Love uh, my ankles. You want me to break both of them? I mean, early I couldn't winter, stand winter,
1: winter, up. Yeah. I I I literally couldn't like maintain my balance. So what you so. break, I'ma do. Like, oh, oh, you couldn't stand up. What am I gonna do? I mean, you're an athlete. Kevin? Kevin's an athlete. Y'all no, better not fall.
0: Kevin, Kevin, Kevin is
2: Kevin. Kevin, sorry. No, Kevin is a, is a athlete.
0: No, I have to get my balance first. Then I'm all right. Cam, have you been ice skating before? Are you like uh, uh, what? Who is the uh, who is like a big Olympian? I, like, are you uh, Wayne Gretzky or something? Uh, going out there like skating around? It's like, no, I'm telling it you, it takes <laughs> me a minute. I'm from I'm from Georgia, man. I don't know. I don't like grow up with a pair of ice skates on my feet. Ryan Sewell didn't do well either. I don't ride on around on a thin blade underneath my feet. I'll do that. Cam can teach us, but once I get going, I'm okay. Once I get going, I'm okay. But it takes a minute just to kind of get initiated to the ice. I live in Georgia. I'm know. not Gordon Bombay on a pond in
1: Minnesota. Oh, we know. It takes an incredible amount of athletes because you're standing up, you're skating, you got the stick, you got the puck, and then you got to look for are you about to get, you know, de cleated or de
0: skated or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: it's a lot going
0: on. <laughs> we, got, <laughs> we got more to come here on 3DOT. We'll see you tomorrow. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. If you missed any portion of the show, ESPNCoso.com, uh, iTunes, or uh, go to our. YouTube page at ESPN Coastal.